are we heading into a global recession or are we already in one and how does that affect the Caribbean? That's the topic of today's talk and the question that we're going to explore today. Um, but before we start, um, I want to encourage you to tell me if you can see and hear me loud and clear. just want to make sure that all the tech is working and you get the best experience. As always, feel free to use the chat function um, yeah, to tell me where you're from, what industry you are in and uh, what your questions are. I will always try to answer them during the live stream. And of course, uh, yeah, tell me your thoughts uh, or maybe your disagreements if you have any. All right, um, what I want to talk about today um, is, as the title said, um, explore a little bit um, yeah, the economic, of the global economic um, situation. And um, yeah, then of course, look how that will affect or how that, that does affect the Caribbean. Because I think, um, yeah, whenever we want to predict um, or yeah, look at the Caribbean, we have to look at the global economy because at the end of the day, uh, yeah, the global economy determines a lot of what is happening or what will happen in the Caribbean. All right, that being said, um, I want to focus on yeah, the three, um, in my eyes, probably um, yeah, most influential economies or economic areas, um, namely the US, Europe uh, and China and the yeah, South Pacific and Asia region. Uh, region. Because I think, um, yeah, they are going to affect um, or play probably the biggest role on the global stage right now. Um, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today, I already touched on in a few live streams that I did in the past um, last year, where I talked a little bit about yeah, economic risks uh, for the Caribbean and made some predictions there. So I want to encourage you to check that out after you watched this one and uh, yeah generally speaking all these talks are archived at uh, my youtube channel so i want to encourage you to go there if you want to watch some of the past streams or maybe when you uh, yeah missed one and of course want to encourage to subscribe to the youtube channel so that you get notified whenever um, yeah we release new content or some of these live streams all right Let's dive into it. Um, what I want to touch on are topics that I think um, are affecting the global economy um, right now. There are so much that I had to yeah, pick out a few and focus on a few. Um, generally speaking, I want also to encourage you to have a look at the um, yeah, economic outlook um, that the IMF released, uh, I think yesterday or at least this week, um, yeah, where they updated a lot of their predictions that they did um, at the beginning of this year, basically before the war in Ukraine started. And um, yeah, when we look at the global stage, I think that's one of the main um, factors that we have to uh, consider in that will, yeah, as I said in past uh, live streams and past talks, affect um, all our lives on a global scale, um, probably for the next years to come. and. Yeah, will probably also shift a little bit the geo geopolitical um, landscape for probably decades, um, if not forever. Um, then, yeah, of course, um, we have to talk about inflation. Um, I think no matter where you live in the world um, over the last months or 
yeah, maybe years, they probably experienced yeah, a constant increase in prices. Um, yeah, primarily probably very fundamental um, things that you need um, to live or the cost of living in generally um, increased. Um, we're going to talk about oil and energy prices, uh, the real estate situation in China, um, yeah, global interest rates and global debt rates, the invert yield curve, what that, what that means. Um, for the economy or why that might be important. Um, yeah, how the pandemic or the COVID-19 pandemic um, still affects um, China with its lockdowns and therefore the um, yeah, global uh, economy, food prices, um, uh, bank defaults, civil unrest. So we have a lot um, to talk about today. Um, yeah, one tip, uh, yeah, tip by the way, um, if you're watching this live, there's usually a slight delay, especially when you just joined later on. So I want to encourage you um, yeah, to go into the settings down below and maybe speed up the, you know, the playback uh, to 1.5. That's uh, where you're you know, catching up to the actual live, live stream. And uh, yeah, then you should have the best experience with minimal delay. All right. Um, yeah, when we look at um, some basic uh, numbers or some some uh, yeah forecasts uh, or some of the uh, data that we got out of the yeah as I said uh, report from the International Monetary Fund, um, then yeah we see or we have to probably look at two main numbers, uh, namely the global economic growth measured in GDP. And then, of course, um, the inflation. Um, because when we talk about um, yeah, a global recession, um, generally speaking, when we talk about a recession, that's usually defined as yeah, economic uh, or a lower GDP in two consecutive uh, quarters. Uh, then that's usually when we talk about um, a recession in a certain area or in a certain country. But um, yeah, when we talk about a global recession, um, then there are usually more factors um, that have to come together together to actually define it as that. And one on the one hand, of course, is when we see yeah, uh, economic um, cool down um, when the growth slows down. And we saw that from uh, yeah, 6.1% um, in 2021 to now predicted 3.6% in 2022, meaning yeah, roughly uh, yeah, 50% uh, correction there. Um, keep in mind that we are still, um, or that the, the high growth numbers that we saw last year um, are often attributed to just base effects, meaning we had two, 2020 with that yeah, really nosedive of a lot of economies, um, meaning yeah, GDP went down. Then in 2021, um, yeah, we saw a little recovery, and therefore GDP came up, but we are still not at pre-pandemic levels at uh, or in most economies and in most areas and uh, yeah now we saw even a reduction in the yeah, in the predictions of the economic growth for 2022 so um yeah maybe or probably when we look back uh, in a few months from now um then we will probably have the data to yeah back up that we probably already are in a global recession right now we probably just don't have the data from everywhere to to back that up um, then we also um, are seeing uh, yeah, rising inflation rates. Again, I talked about that uh, already last year. 
that um, it, yeah, accelerated uh, even more over the last months. Um, we'll talk about in a second um, why I think that is or the different reasons for that. Um, and again, when we well, when I talk about these averages, I think we always have to be very careful how we use them because again, um, although we're talking about averages here, that usually means that we still have very different situations uh, depending on what part of the global economy or what part of the planet um, we're looking at. So you always uh, yeah, need to dive a little deeper into the, the data or the numbers, especially when you want to know how that affects your specific um, Caribbean country. Um, yeah, so for example, in the advanced economies, um, we see or we're seeing an inflation of 5.7% right now. And in the emerging markets or emerging countries, economies uh, even higher, we are there at the 8.7 mark. Um, 8.7%. So, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that over the last uh, yeah, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, um, we usually had uh, inflation rates yeah, between 0 and 5%, somewhere around that line. And now we are definitely yeah, more in the 5 to 10% area. And um, yeah, let's talk about or Let's talk for a second about why I think that we, on the one hand, have that economic um, slowdown, and on the other hand, um, these um, yeah, rising in inflation rates. Um, I think yeah, the economic slowdown is, is really easy, or probably easier to explain, you know, considering the the past. Um, meaning, on the one hand, yeah, we're coming from the from the pandemic, and um, yeah which hit a lot of countries um, really hard. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I had the impression last year that um, although, yeah, generally speaking, I think uh, we got kind of, uh, you know, more or less uh, fine through um, the pandemic economic wise, um, we got some hiccups, but a lot of countries, a lot of governments spend a lot of money to kind of buffer that. Um, but um, yeah, like, six months ago or something like that, I already said that I had the impression that a lot of that buffer or a lot of that um, yeah, cushion that a lot of uh, companies and a lot of uh, governments built up over the last 10 years um, yeah, is now um, yeah, empty or, or no longer there and uh, all the money uh, in the bank or all the savings are spent. Um, a lot of uh, governments also yeah, uh, set laws in place or regulations in place um, that prevented bankruptcy or changed the bankruptcy laws a little bit so that you don't have to file for bankruptcy and uh, yeah, can survive maybe a little longer, of course, in the hope that the economy and the business recovers um, before we see a lot of yeah, uh, business uh, going bankrupt. Um, so that's yeah, for sure um, one, one factor that, again, we're still coming out of the, the pandemic situation. And then, of course, on the other side, um, yeah, the, the war in Ukraine um, or yeah, the, the attack from, from Russia on, uh, on Ukraine in, in Europe, um, which yeah, affects um, probably the most important part, the whole the worldwide um, energy markets, oil prices and gas prices, um, but also a lot of other commodities um, that Russia is exporting. And of course, the second big factor on the yeah, agricultural sector, the whole global food market is yeah, directly or indirectly um, yeah, connected to Ukraine and Russia with food exports or um, with, with fertilizer production. 
And again, I talked about that um, in detail in one of the past live streams I did a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, so I think that's these are probably the two main reasons um, that we see that economic um, pressure um, yeah, still still building up or, or that, that economic pressure isn't um, released yet um, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, um, why do we have rising inflation numbers? And um, again, I think there are two um, main factors in play here on the one hand. As I said earlier, um, there is a lot of system, a lot of money in the system. And uh, over the last years, um, yeah, governments increased their spending. Um, again, the global money, uh, global money supply um, yeah, was uh, increased by yeah, enormous uh, amounts of money was pumped into the system on the one hand. And um, on the other hand, we have all the supply chain um, problems, meaning um, although we have money in the system, there are just not enough products um, to fulfill the demand, meaning um, yeah, money or cash gets even more devalued because it's printed even more. And on the other hand, um, with the yeah, less valuable money, um, you now can buy even less products um, because there are just uh, less products available on the global market. And um, yeah, probably these two combinations um, are the main reasons for inflation. Of course, we have a little different reason um, in the US um, than we have in, in Europe. For example, in Europe, um, I talked about that last year already, we yeah, saw high or really, really spiking um, energy prices in Europe and the UK last year. And of course, um, yeah, the whole Ukraine situation and Russia situation accelerated that um, even more, especially Germany um, is very dependent on, on Russian gas and oil, as you probably know by now. Um, usually, a few weeks ago, the German government said they want to be yeah, independent from Russian gas at the end of this year. Now they say, um, yeah, maybe they are even able to get independent from the, the Russian um, oil and gas supply in a few weeks. We will see um, how this is going to play out. But on a general rule, I think we need to be aware that our whole or that gas, not gas prices, that um, energy prices, um, as a general rule of thumb, always affect the global economy and always affect global prices. Because when energy is more expensive, production becomes more expensive, shipping, transportation becomes more expensive, etc. So we have that ripple effect through the um, yeah, complete supply line. For example, I talked to, yeah, to people in the construction industry here in, in Europe uh, over the last weeks where we see price increases of 30, 50%, depending on the project, um, just compared to yeah, pricing quotas that they got um, six months ago. Um, so just to give you an idea here, we see the same with energy prices and of course, um, in a lot of um, yeah, agricultural goods, so a lot of food prices are also spiking. And I think that will especially hit um, yeah, poorer countries um, around the globe that are not able um, to, or that are not, um, have their own food security um, in their own country, meaning they are not able to supply the whole population um, with yeah, agricultural products and food that they grow um, inside the country, but they have to import a lot. And um, I guess that's probably true for most Caribbean nations. Um, yeah, most Caribbean nations are very dependent from imports. 
even food imports. So therefore, um, yeah, I think we will see that ripple effect um, in the yeah, generally shipping, transportation, uh, and therefore import and export sector, but um, also in the food um, in the food industry. So let's have a look. Well, let me make sure I talked about all the global stuff. Oh yeah, maybe um, let's have a word on the inverted yield curve um, for a second. So you might heard that term inverted yield curve. What does it mean? Um, generally speaking, pretty. Oh, why why is that so important? Um, because when we look at the past, I think basically every time over the last few hundred years, maybe with a few exceptions, uh, whenever we saw an inverted yield curve, um, we saw in the next 12 to 24 months um, also a global recession. And that's why economists or yeah, financial people like me and consultants look um, at these numbers. And um, inverted yield curve, yield curve basically means usually um, when you yeah, put your money into a savings account or if you lend someone money, which is both times the same thing, one time you lend it to the bank and one time you lend it to someone else, um, usually you get more, um, you get a higher return, a higher interest rate paid um, the longer um, yeah, you put that money away the longer um, the duration of that savings account or that bond or whatever kind of uh, form of credit we're talking here is because the underlying assumption is that um, you know, the risk that you get your money back is higher the longer you put it away and therefore you want a compensation form of a higher return meaning short-term uh, yeah, short-term returns are usually lower than long-term returns, meaning a 10-year bond has a higher return on investment than a two-year bond, because you usually think, okay, the risk for a longer period of time is higher than for a shorter period of time. And um, when we have an inverted yield curve, then basically that principle gets flipped around, meaning you get a higher return for short-term investment, for a short-term bond, for example, than you get for long-term for a 10-year bond, and usually what? gets compared here is the two-year bond and the 10-year bond, which means that um, investors or people in general um, are more optimistic on the long term than on the short term. And that's why they are, um, or that's why you have to pay in that case um, on the short term, um, yeah, more money to borrow money and less on the long term. And that's, um, yeah, why well, that's the reason why um, a lot of economists look at that ratio because it's a very or a, a pretty good predictor for for a recession when we you know, see that basic principle flipped around that you usually get a higher return for longer uh well, for a bond with a higher duration than a bond with a shorter duration All right, let's talk about um, yeah, a little bit more specific about the th three major areas that I was talking about, meaning China, um, the United States, and the European Union, because when you combine the GDPs of these economies, then they attribute for around two thirds of the global GDP. So I think, um, yeah, these are probably the powerhouses of the global economy. So it's important to understand what is going on there. Again, when you're watching this live, um, feel free to use the chat to share your thoughts um, or to post your questions. 
and then I will try to answer it during the live stream. All right, let's talk about China. Um, I think the or we have probably two, three main risk factors in, in China playing right, out right now. Um, and the biggest one in my eyes is uh, how important China is for the global supply chain, meaning how important China is as a global assembly line, basically, especially for the US, I think more for the US than um, Europe. But nonetheless, um, I think that statement is generally speaking correct. And um, yeah, if you followed the news over the last weeks, then you probably saw the videos of the people um, in Shanghai, um, yeah, trapped or locked down in their houses and um, yeah, then the drones flying around and telling people to stay inside and so on. Meaning, uh, yeah, Shanghai is one of the biggest economic uh, cities uh, or power hubs in China with one of the biggest ports and so on um, is in complete lockdown uh, since weeks by now, I think over a month by now. And uh, therefore, we have uh, the backlog that we already had in the global supply chain and the global container and shipping market uh, yeah, is now even bigger. I think half of the world's container ships or something like that is, is now stuck in, in that area, uh, in the Shanghai or China area. So, um, yeah, again, because of the zero COVID uh, policy of the Chinese uh, government, um, yeah, what they think is a good idea is to yeah, shut down uh, complete Shanghai and yeah I think we will see the ripple effects here for again months or if not even years to come and again the question is um, are they going to reopen and uh, when are they going to do that um, because I think the longer the longer um, they keep their their ports uh, and their production lines closed um, the harder that will affect um, other countries and therefore the global economy. And then we should not forget um, that we still have that looming um, real estate crisis um, in China, um, especially last year. I think that was a bigger um, topic uh, where Evergrande and other real estate um, developer defaulted on some of their debt payments. Since then, we haven't heard so much uh, about that. Um, so I'm a little nervous uh, why we're not uh, hearing more about that topic um, because a lot of um, or basically real estate is for um, most uh, Chinese people one of the only ways to yeah, to invest money um, or to actually build uh, wealth or, or plan for their um, retirement and um, therefore I think when we combine that uh, meaning yeah the, the lockdowns uh, the complete lockdowns in, in China and uh, the real estate crisis, which maybe completely evaporates um, a lot of the savings, a lot of the wealth of the people of the middle class, then I think the risk for civil unrest is yeah, constantly increasing, meaning yeah, the pressure um, for the government, uh, for Xi Jinping to find a solution uh, increases more and more. And I think that is also one of the biggest fears of the Chinese governmental leadership um, that civil unrest uh, yeah, will break out. Um, we saw that in Hong Kong a few years ago. And um, yeah, I think that's the biggest fear of um, probably every government, but um, even more uh, an yeah, autocratic one like the Chinese, because 
when you live when you're living in a democracy or if you have an opposition um, then you are in a good position that you can always blame the opposition for everything that goes wrong in your country and you can always um, yeah, get all the praise for everything that goes good or that works out um, if you are uh, if you represent the government um, but if you are the only um, yeah, leader or if you're a quasi-dictator like like Putin or um, like Xi Jinping in, in China and you are the only person then of course you get all the praise um, if everything works fine but you get also get all the complaints or get blamed for everything um, if things don't work out any longer so um, yeah I think that's a big fear that uh, the Chinese government um, have has right now um, that yeah people get I think yeah as long as people were happy with um, how things going meaning as long as people um, yeah can live their lives um, have a roof over their heads can buy food have a job then they don't care so much about um, politics but um, yeah when they don't have uh, yeah don't have shelter anymore if they don't can't work if they can't go outside buy food and so on and if you don't have any savings anymore to have a safe retirement then um, yeah I think people or again the risk for civil unrest rises and I think that's something China wants to avoid and of course if that happens then um, that will affect the global economy um, even more let's have a look at um, the US I think the US um, is one of the major um, economies that um, is very dependent um, economy wise um, from from China uh, meaning they outsourced a lot um, to China over the last decades um, just because it was cheaper to produce there and therefore the US um, yeah, has that high inflation rate because I think they suffer way more from the supply chain um, problems and the supply chain disruption um, than for example Europe where the high inflation is probably primarily driven by um, high energy and, and food prices so um, yeah in the US we see um, supply chain problems uh, inflation rates rising um, and we see rising interest uh, and therefore also rising mortgage rates and um, again I want to remember everybody that almost every major financial economic crisis over the last uh, decades or centuries was most often kind of linked to um, the real estate market and therefore again we saw that already um, getting problematic in, in China um, if we're now going to see rising interest rates rising mortgage ra mortgage rates um, in the US then again we will also see higher default rates and um, yeah maybe then we are back into a 2007-2008 situation where we saw a lot of these credits default and then therefore the yeah, real estate sector crumble and then that um, is a kind of domino effect into the rest of the economy so we are hopefully that won't happen but again um, of course all the second order effect um, will also affect the Caribbean here because um, again if there is a shortage in in goods then the company or the, the countries uh, with the higher buying power are going to buy them on international markets and therefore um, yeah in a poorer country um, you either don't get the goods at all or you have to pay um, yeah, way higher prices to to get them so um, yeah I think that's uh, 
or that probably the, the situation in the US will probably even affect the Caribbean a little more than in Europe. Um, but nonetheless, let's talk about Europe. Um, as I just said, um, what we're seeing there is also probably even more um, economic contraction um, than maybe in the US, uh, primarily because of the war in Ukraine, because that caused a spike in energy prices. Um, therefore, yeah, we have a way higher inflation um, that we're used to uh, in, in Europe. I think we have high, the highest inflation rate since yeah, 40 years or something like that. Uh, and especially in um, yeah, goods that are basically um, goods of daily needs, meaning primarily um, gas for yeah, the, car, the cars um, is way more expensive than a few months ago. Same with food prices and same with energy prices. And um, as I said earlier, energy prices affect on a second uh, grade everything else, meaning production, transportation, shipping, logistics, and so on. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, especially in Europe, um, the economic situation will be very dependent on how the, the war in the Ukraine um, is going to develop um, because, yeah, that, of course, causes a lot of uncertainty um, economic-wise uh, on the one hand, um, which, of course, people then hesitate to yeah, do the right or the necessary investments and so on, but also just from uh, yeah, humanitarian or, or military perspective um yeah war is always a very cruel thing um yeah millions of people are displaced suffering tens of thousands of people are dead uh, or injured so therefore um yeah i certainly haven't uh, thought that i'm going to expect uh, a war of that size uh, in europe in my lifetime but here we are and uh, yeah we always can only can hope that it uh, yeah, will be over as soon as possible and of course will not spread and what then is going to happen i think um, nobody can predict all right let's recap um really quick so again um one of the major problems that i see generally speaking um with the caribbean is the big dependency on, on imports, um, or generally speaking, the big dependency on the global market and the global economy. Doesn't matter if we talk about um, tourism, I criticized in the past that I can't really understand, for example, um, yeah, how a country like Jamaica is selling all their beachfront property, literally all their beaches um, yeah, to foreign investors, to foreign hotel chains, um, and uh, therefore yeah, the locals cannot even enjoy um, the natural beauty of the home country and all the money that is being made through the tourism income is then indirectly also funneled back to the owners of these big um, yeah, chains that often um, are located uh, overseas and, and not in Jamaica or not in Caribbean. Um, so yeah, I think that's just not a sustainable long-term um, business model. Then the same with um, agriculture. I think um, every Caribbean nation should strive for food um, security, meaning that they can produce um, all the food and all the agricultural produce um, that they need to feed their population to not being dependent um, on the global market, especially yeah, considering um, that we're talking often about the poorest um, 
parts of the population if then if they can't afford um, food or if they are suffering from the global um, rising food prices, um, yeah, that will then hit the weakest, the hardest. So I think, yeah, agriculture, food security, food prices, I think that's um, one area that we should focus maybe a little more in the future. And then, of course, um, the finance sector. Um, as I said, in the past, um, I think, depending on which Caribbean nation we are looking, um, but the financial sector usually attributes like 10, 20% um, to the overall GDP. And um, yeah, the financial services um, for the people, for the citizens is usually um, yeah, catastrophic or, or yeah, way, but there's a big discrepancy between the fact that it attributes so much to the um, GDP, but the quality or the access for the citizens or for the companies to capital or to banking service or the international markets um, is so bad, um, which is again attributed to the fact that most of the financial services are tailored to um, yeah, big um, overseas investors or companies or external people um, that put their money in the financial institutions in that area, but not necessarily a long-term sustainable business model where the population actually can benefit from. And therefore, when we look now again at the yeah, global economic situation, um, the access for a lot of Caribbean nations to international capital, to the international financial markets um, and so on is limited because of that. And therefore, um, yeah, we saw that in the pandemic where Caribbean nations just don't have a lot of the options and a lot of the yeah, access points um, to capital um, than yeah, developed nations have. And therefore, it's way harder for them to yeah, kind of buffer the, the negative effects of these kind of developments. All right, to recap really quick, um, do I think that we are heading into a global recession? Um, I would say we are probably already in one, um, but um, yeah, definitely over the next 12 to 24 months, I think the probability is really high um, yeah, that we are seeing a global recession, of course, with local um, yeah, differences depending on which area of the world we're actually looking at. Um, I think that the Caribbean will yeah, probably suffer more than developed nations. Um, I fear that um, yeah, the, not the return of the tourism over the last years, but the kind of influx, not last years, last months, but the influx of tourism that we saw over the last months um, is not sustainable. Um, I heard from a lot of people that they yeah, really were happy that um, tourists came back and a lot of the travel restrictions were lifted um, over the last months. And personally also um, yeah, welcome that. And I think that's a good decision, generally speaking. But again, I want to remind you um, on the one hand, look at China um, that can change very quickly depending on the nation or the market. Um, maybe these travel bans or whatever um, get put back in place. I certainly hope that will not happen, but you never know. But on the other hand, um, also keep in mind that um, when 
the cost of living for people in Europe, um, in the US, um, gets higher, meaning these the people there have less money to spend. Um, yeah, probably one of the first things um, that you will um, reduce a little bit is instead of yeah flying into the Caribbean for your um, holiday, maybe just um, yeah do a trip uh, in your local area. Um, and if you then consider um, again rising energy prices, which will probably cause rising airfares um, and generally make travel more expensive, um, then I think it would be yeah irresponsible to to hope or to bet um, that the tourism will come back um, 100% or to pre-pandemic um, levels um, or that that will happen uh, in a shorter period of time. I would rather guess um, or predict that we will, yeah, probably stay at the levels um, that we're having right now, probably 50, 60, 70% of, of pre-pandemic um, levels in the tourism sector um, yeah, with very high volatility um, during or over the, the next uh, months and years to come, depending again how the global um, economy is developing. All right, I think I talked about um, yeah, all major points I want to touch on. Um, yeah, I think generally speaking, it's fair to say to buckle up. Um, I want to encourage you if you learned something today or if that was um, insightful, first and foremost, of course, yeah, hit the like button, the thumbs up or whatever social media platform you are on, the like button, heart button, I don't care. Um, and of course, um, if you're not connected on LinkedIn yet, feel free to connect with me there. I always appreciate um, yeah, if you share a few words where we know each other from or what you think about uh, my ideas, my thoughts, my content that I'm sharing with you. And of course, um, if you maybe missed um, yeah, the complete talk today or if you want to watch them, uh, or if you want to watch past uh, presentations and talks, then I want to encourage you to head over to the YouTube channel. That's where all um, the content is archived and you can watch it even if you missed them live. And I also want to encourage you to subscribe there. Um, and of course, hit the bell notification so that you get notified whenever we go live or whenever we release new content on this channel. That being said, um, yeah, I wish you all the best. Um, we are living in weird and crazy times. And um, yeah, I hope you stay safe and I hope to see you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.